Shabbat Shalom and welcome brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream Torah portions. My name is Adam and I welcome you. This is week 53, Hazinu. And this is going to be going over the other song of Moshe, the first one being found in Exodus 15. Uh, this one is found in Deuteronomy chapter 32. So that's what this Torah portion is all about. This It's one chapter, but uh, it's going to actually get quite in depth. So... Uh, let's go over it together. Before we do, let's pray. Let's petition Yahuwah that he bless this study and that he opens our eyes and ears that we may hear his voice and hear his word as he so has required the children of Israel to do. Heavenly Father, Yahuwah, we just come before you in Yahusha's name and we just thank you for the ability to gather together and, and study your word and we ask that you bless it, that you open our eyes, that we may behold the wondrous things that be found in your Torah. And uh, we just love you. We bless you. In Yahusha's name, Amen. So let's get right to it. we got a lot to go over. And we're going to start at a... Well, not start. We are in Deuteronomy 32 today. So let me get the screen shared going. And we'll be... Doing, but by the way, those of you that are watching live, you know... Uh, this is the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippurim. Many of you are coming over from that other live stream we did uh, just moments ago. So welcome back. For those of you watching this as a recording, uh, this was, this is and was uh, was being done on uh, Yom Kippurim, the Day of Atonement. One of uh, So this is a, not only is this a Sabbath, this is a high, high Sabbath and a most somber day. So if I'm not as uppity and uh, excited as normal. It's because this is a day of uh, afflicting yourself. It's a day of repentance. It's a day of being um, being humble in the sight of Yahuwah. And um, that's why I might be a little more serious today than other days. So let's uh, get on with it. And looks like I may have some sync issues, but it is what it is. Hopefully you can still hear me. All right, so Deuteronomy 32, chapter, or verse 1. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Uh, it's written in the book of Isaiah that, he gives wisdom to the farmer, and really, that's more real than you can imagine. Uh, I'm still just a very amateur farmer, uh, but have learned quite a bit in taking it seriously this last year. And uh, he really, there's a lot of kind of his hidden meanings are found within a seed, watering the sun, how it grows, uh, bearing fruit, it's just, it's really all hidden there. But the point, without getting too off, far off topic, because uh, we have a lot to cover, the point is, is that his doctrine is like water, which is a basic necessity. He also says in Deuteronomy 8, which we covered earlier in the in the um, Yom Kippurim study, is that uh, it's written in Deuteronomy 8, and Yahusha quoted it when Hasatan was uh, telling him, hey, you know, if you're hungry, just command those stones be made bread, right? That's the big deal. Um, he quoted Deuteronomy 8, said, which says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Elohim does man live. And so just like 
bread we need. I mean, there's a certain amount of days a man can live without uh, bread and uh, without food and dying. Um, so is the same with water. It's actually a much shorter time uh, with water than it is with food. So even more so uh, is his doctrine. Do we live by his doctrine? Which this plainly says. Not it's not even in like in a hidden form. It says my doctrine, like my words, right? Shall right. So what he's saying here: Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. So his words are his doctrine, and they shall drop down as the rain he's getting now he is giving a similitude it is kind of a parable he's giving like a uh, something easy for you to understand because i think even children know which you should teach your children even children know that the plants need water uh, or else they're going to die so as a plant without water dies so man without yahuwah's word will not live will not uh, have eternal life will not live with him will not uh, be within his kingdom uh, that will reign upon the earth it's as simple as that so again my doctrine shall drop as the rain my speech shall distill as the dew as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass let's just go a couple over a couple verses that uh, kind of drive this point home this is honestly one of my favorite passages um, it's just and that's what I love about the Torah, about the prophets, the writings. Um, they're simple. They're black and white. There's no gray area. Do this. Don't do that. This is good. That's not good. And here, this uh, is so plain and simple. Uh, and it confirms what we just read in those first two verses in Deuteronomy 32, which is a, it's actually a very paramount concept to, uh, to comprehend. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, Blesses the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the Torah of Elohim, and in his Torah does he meditate day and night. Day and night. And the Shema, you know, it, it says that we're supposed to think about his Torah, think about his commandments when we rise up, when we lay down, when we walk by the way, when we're sitting in our house, we should be thinking about them at all times. And truly, what I love about the Torah is it gives you so many life scenarios. Does it cover every single little scenario? You know, maybe not. But does it cover a lot of major scenarios that may come in your life? Yeah. And so if we have this Torah in our hearts, it'll be our wisdom with each situation. It, and it'll give us the right action to do when those situations uh, come forth, right? So the person that meditates on his Torah, Psalm uh, 1 verse 3 says, He shall be as a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his due season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does, he shall prosper. So here, Yahweh likens us to a tree that is situated by the river. That is the person that meditates, studies, believes, walks out in his Torah. If you ever seen a tree close by a river, they're pretty healthy. They do not lack water because the roots go down so far. They're just like drinking it up. They don't lack any water. Even when there's no rain, they don't lack any water. Unless the river's dried up, and that's a different story. But you know what I mean? This this is giving you a similitude, you know? So the person that meditates in his Torah will be like this tree that never wants. 
Psalm 72, 1 through 6, Give the king thy judgments, O Elohim, and the righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people and the the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy. He shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and the moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass as showers that water the earth. It's his character. That's his word. It's his doctrine. Uh, is this? Uh, yeah, this is a short. Okay. Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Right? We're, let's imagine what we're talking about. Keep this in mind, the, the waters that we're talking about. Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. Which is what? It's every word that proceeds out of his mouth. He's not talking about... You need to eat organic and eat non-GMO foods and not obviously that's that's good advice. Anyways, but I'm saying that's not what he's talking about here. He's giving you a, a parable, a similitude. Eat that which is good, and we know that which proceeds out of the mouth of Elohim is good, is righteous. Eat that. Live off of that. And let your soul delight in its fatness, itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. Right? That's, that's this whole thing. Again, as a plant without water dies, so shall a man that does not have the word of Elohim sown in his heart. And your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander of the people. This is, this is the posterity of David. This is, of course, speaking uh, prophetically about Yahusha, which came in the posterity of David. And that's why you know, they call him son of David, right? But we know he's not David's son. He's... That's why he said on that psalm, you know, uh, my, uh, Yahweh said unto my Adonai, sit thou on my right hand, right, my Adonai. And that's why Yahushua said, you know, why, you know, is he therefore his son, right? Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee uh, shall run into thee because of Yahweh the Elohim and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye Yahuwah while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And again, that's with this whole, uh, quite frankly, um, the first day of the seventh month through the tenth day of the seventh month, That's and we're at the last day of it, this is all about a time of repentance and re- forsaking our way and returning back to his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return, teshuva, unto Yahuwah, repent in turn, and he will have mercy upon him and to our Elohim, for he will abundantly pardon Right, because Elohim is merciful. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahuwah. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and make it bring forth and bud. Right, he's talking the same thing. It's the same talk in Deuteronomy uh, verses thirty-two, verses one through two, about how the water is needed for those things to happen that they may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. 
it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody that reads his word is going to hearken and obey. That doesn't mean you just, you know, you read it and you're like, you know, it's, see, he read it. It's not going to return void. Even the even the wicked, even, even some people that deny him may read this and say, eh, you know, I like my way better than Yahweh's way. Each way serves his purpose. He doesn't want there to be anybody that perishes, but he knows that's just how it is. He knew that there would be a small amount that would on that would love him unconditionally and hearken to him, regardless of what life throws at him. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. On all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to Yahweh for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And this is the last similitude here. The the thorns, you know, in like even in the parable of the sower, Yusha talks about uh, some so some seed are sown among thorns and choke the word. Uh, thorns and briars just mean those are those are fruitless plants. Um, they just bring forth things that are of no use uh, to man, uh, other other than to be burned. Quite frankly, and uh, so he's saying here instead of uh, unfruitful plants and or un, uh, trees that aren't fit for use, or don't have any use for man. Um, or, or even use for Elohim, if you will, uh, you know, the opposite will come up, the, the good will come up. Uh, Revelation three nineteen through 16, So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, in white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see, and as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I think I might have put this one in the wrong column. It's still a good verse, though. Um, you know, for time's sake, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip this right here. The, you guys remember the parable of Yahusha. Uh, most of you have read through the book of Matthew and are pretty familiar with the parable of Yahusha, how different seeds were sown. Uh, they were all sown by, you know, by the farmer, but certain only certain seed took root. And so we are to pr- we should be praying that we are that good soil that receives the seed, is watered, shoots up, the sun brings it forth, and then it ends up bringing forth fruit, something serviceable to man, which truly... Uh, we should be serviceable to Elohim. And as we saw back in Psalm 1 through 3, uh, the fruit that is supposed to come forth of man is of the obedience, the hearkening to, or the hearkening to, the obedience, and walking in the way, which is the Torah of Elohim. That is the fruit that we. So, like, again, I've said this many times, so like the, the cucumber plant uh, produces cucumbers, and the, the pumpkin vine produces a pumpkin, and, uh, you know, the uh, grapevine produces grapevines. That's their fruit. Well, we as man, that's our fruit. It's not. It's and and within the Torah is all the things that, you know, a lot of people say that we're supposed to bring forth, which is uh, joy and happiness and goodness and uh, being good to the poor. It's all in Torah. All of it. Let's go. Let's keep going. So, um, because I will publish the name of Yahuwah, ascribe ye greatness unto our Elohim. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all her, his ways are judgment, and L of truth, and without in the Torah rightly, uh, the, the Sefer rightly uh, capitalizes 
truth because Psalm 19 very clearly says that his Torah is the truth. The L, an L of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. So we do know that Yahusha was the spotless lamb. And why was he spotless? Because he transgressed not the Torah of Elohim. He came and preached the Torah of Elohim. And as Isaiah 42 prophesied, he would that he would magnify it. He would make it even greater. Why? Because he taught spirit and truth. And, um, you know, like small examples like, you know, uh, we know not to murder, but he taught us to not murder someone in our heart, to not hate someone in our heart. He taught. I mean, we know that we're not supposed to commit adultery, but he taught us that you know you may not commit adultery, but if you lust after a woman uh, with your with your heart, you've you've already committed adultery in your heart with her already. And, and so it's the corruption from within is a lot of the things that he was uh, he was um, teaching us, and that's a lot of things that the Pharisees that he rebuked them for. Outwardly, they did they they had the check marks of the commandments, but inwardly. Uh, they were corrupted, you know. They they did what they needed to do to make their appearances, but inward they're still uh, they were ravening wolves, you know. They, uh, anyways. So it's the inward man, and it, the inward man that he was also teaching. This is part of the magnifying of the Torah. So let's talk about this spotted. Uh, just a couple of verses. Uh, Revelation nineteen eight, and to her the bride of Elohim, to her was granted that, that she be, should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, right without spot, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Revelation three four, thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments; they shall walk with me in white, for they oops for they are worthy. So no spots. Ecclesiastes nine eight, let thy garments be always white. And let thy head lack no ointment. So, no spots. We should be walking blamelessly. Um, Jude, uh, there's only one chapter. Jude, chapter 1, verse 23. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh or the works of the flesh, which the works of the flesh is mis- is, is a huge misnomer. Uh, many... Um, Modern day Christians will associate uh, some of the things Paul said is work, you know, uh, w- uh, walking in the flesh or the works of the flesh, that the keeping of the, the commandments of the Torah is a work of the flesh. Uh, no, that's a work of Elohim. That's a work of the Ruach HaKodesh. Uh, the, the Torah of Elohim was, was founded at the, the foundation of the world. Um, you know, that is, that is spirit works of the flesh are drunkenness and murderings and revelings and uh, adultery and lying and cheating and stealing and, and, uh, fornication and, and falsification of weights and balances and, uh, deceits and maliciousness. And these are works of the flesh, right? Uh, so that's, so that was the things that we're supposed to say. We're supposed to be hating the garments spotted by the flesh, and we should be earnestly working towards a walk that is not uh, spotting the garment uh, by the works of the flesh. Verse uh, verse six: Do you thus requite Yahuwah? So requite is like repaying. Are you you're gonna repay me this way? You you crooked people, uh, you know, by by transgressing me, by being perverse and crooked, you're gonna repay me this way, O foolish and people and unwise. Is not he your father that has besought you? Has he not made you and established you? Like do you have you not? You don't remember where you came from? Um, a couple things on that. Um, 
Oh. Oh. I made a mistake. Oh, okay. So I'm pretty sure I remember where it was. It was... Um, I didn't put the right... Here we go. Uh, two Esdras, which if you're new by chance, Two Esdras uh, is also known as Fourth Ezra, uh, was part of the 1611 KJV and many others. It was uh, put into the Apocrypha section, uh, but was actually quoted by Yahusha himself, our Messiah. Um, so this is chapter 1, starting at verse 4. The word of Yahuwah came unto me, saying, Go and de declare my people their evil deeds, and to their children the iniquities which they have committed against me, so that they may tell their children's children that, this, that the sins of their parents have increased in them, for they have forgotten me and have offered sacrifices to strange Elohim. Was it not I who brought them out of the land of Egypt? So like, this is part of the heart of Yahuwah. Like, this is how you repay me? Like, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage? But they have angered me and despised my counsels. Pull out the hair of your head and hurl all evils upon them, for they have not obeyed my Torah. They are a rebellious people. How long shall I endure them on whom I have bestowed such great benefits? Like here again, this is the heart of it. This is how you repay me? For their sake, I have overthrown many kings. I struck down Pharaoh with his servants and his army. I have destroyed all nations before them and scattered in the east the people of two provinces, Tyre and Sidon. I have slain all their enemies. But speak unto them and say, Thus says Yahuwah, Surely it was I who brought you through this sea. Like This is just taking a recollection of everything he's done for them. Brought you through the sea and made safe highways for you where there was no road. I gave you Moshe as leader and Aharon as priest. I provided light for you from a pillar of fire and did great wonders among you. Yet you have forgotten me, says Yahuwah. This is, do you repay me this way? Thus says Yahuwah, El Shaddai, the quails were assigned to you. I gave you camps for your protection, and in them you complained. You have not exulted in my name at the destruction of your enemies, but to this day you still complain. Where are the benefits which I bestowed on you? When you were hungry and thirsty in the wilderness, did you not cry out to me, saying, Why have you led us into this wilderness to kill us? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this wilderness. I pitied your groanings and gave you manna for food. You ate the bread of angels. When you were thirsty, did I not cleave the rocks so that the waters flowed in abundance? Because of the heat, I covered you with the leaves of trees. I divided fertile lands among you. I drove out the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Philistines before you. What more can I do for you, says Yahuwah. Thus says El Shaddai, when you were in the wilderness at the bitter stream, thirsty and blaspheming my, blaspheming my name, I did not send fire upon you for your blasphemies, but threw a tree into the water and made the stream sweet. What shall I do to you, O Yaakov? You would not obey me, O Yahuda. I will turn to other nations and will give them my name, that they may keep my statutes. That's the whole parable of the vineyard right now. Right here. This this thought process is the whole reason why I named this channel. It's like the first people, he gave them the vineyard, he gave them everything. He he you know, he took out the stones out of the way, he put up a hedge around, he put up a watchtower, he put people in it to tend the garden to bring forth the fruits, which we established is Psalm 1, 1 through 3, bringing forth the fruits of obedience to his ways, walking in his way, walking in his Torah. And because Israel disobeyed, he cast them out. 
And what do you say here? I will turn to other nations and will give them my name, which is not just his name. It's his character. It's his statutes, his judgments, his ordinances. It's his judgments, his mercies, his commandments, his Torah. That what? That they may keep my statutes. So that's the whole concept of the name of this channel is we have the vineyard now. And what are we doing with it? Because you have forsaken me, I will also forsake you. When you beg mercy of me, I will show you no mercy. When you call upon me, I will not listen to you. For you have defiled your hands with blood, and your feet are swift to commit murder. It is not as though you had forsaken me. You have forsaken yourselves, says Yahuwah. And I'm just going to keep reading because this is where Yahusha quotes it, and then I'll, I'll finish. Thus says El Shaddai, have I not entreated you as a father entreats his sons or a mother her daughters or a nurse her children, that you should be my people and I should be your Elohim, that you should be my sons and I should be your father? Here's This is where Yahushua quotes, and I think it's Matthew 22 or 23. I gathered you as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but now what shall I do unto you? I will cast you out from my presence. Uh, so we'll stop there. I wasn't going to read that far anyways, but I was like, well, we're here. I want to read that uh, passage that Yahushua quotes. Uh, and I'll just show you real quick. I gathered you as a hen. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often I would gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold. Your land is less left unto you desolate. Deuteronomy 32.7 Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. Here's a really fascinating passage that I, I think about a lot and um, this really could apply to our time right now. I'm sorry, this applies to any time, and our time is no exception. This is the book of Sirach, Ecclesiastic Cuss, not Ecclesiastes, but Ecclesiastic Cuss. If you're unfamiliar with this book, this also is very much like the book of Two Esdras. Uh, this was included in the 1611 KJV. This was also included in the Septuagint and many other major canons, um, but was kind of removed from existence and, and stopped being taught in roughly the mid-1800s. So this chapter 2, 10, verses 10 through 11 says, Consider the ancient generations. So this is about, about asking your, your fathers, right? Your, the elder generations. Consider the ancient generations and see whoever trusted in Yahuwah and was put to shame, or whoever preserved in the fear of Yahuwah and was forsaken, or whoever called upon him and was overlooked. For Yahuwah is compassionate and merciful. He forgives sins and saves in time of What's today all about? The day of Yom Kippurim, the day of atonement? Affliction. Something to think about. Verse 8. When El Elyon divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of men, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of the Masoretic, which is what the KJV and ESV and RSV and many of the versions you probably read are based off of, says the children of Israel. But this is not true. This is an example of the lying pen of the scribes. Um, it's not a major point, but it actually kind of is because truth is truth, right? Especially in this song. Um, let's talk about it. So this says that the, Neho, the whole world was separated according to the children of Israel. It's actually not true. Let's actually look at the Septuagint um, version, which the Septuagint, if you're not familiar, uh, the Masoretic, which is the, the 
scriptural text that, again, the, the 1611 KJV and many others are based off is, is roughly a work around, um, what was it, uh, 900 A.D.? Um, 900 AD, so fairly recent. The Septuagint was a, a work of a roughly 200 BC, so 1100 years older than the Masoretic. So let's see what the older version says. It says, Behold, Elohim, uh, where am I? Oh, it's because I'm at Deuteronomy 1, that's why 32. Look, that's the wrong verse. Okay. When the Most High divided the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the nations according to the number of the angels of Elohim, Benai Elohim, so the sons of God. This is the same mix-up we get with Genesis 6. You know, it says, when the sons of God, the Benai Elohim, came down and saw the daughters of men, that they were fair in their sight, and took for themselves wives, and they made it, and they created the giants. This is also the sons of Elohim. So he separated the nations according to the sons of Elohim. Uh, where does this come into play? I'll show you. This and this and this. It makes Daniel chapter 10 make a lot more sense, and you'll know what I'm talking about when you read it. Daniel 10, And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees in the palms of my hands, and he said unto me, O Daniel, Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto you, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel. From the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten, right, to afflict, to humble yourself before your Elohim, thy words were heard, and I am come for your words. Listen. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. Twenty-one days withstood me, right? So another angel who is set over the province of Persia withstood this angel. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So they were like literally fighting. Like he prevented this angel from coming to Daniel, and I remained there with the king of kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand. Because let me let's just be honest here. Uh, our physical king of Persia is not going to be like, no, you're not going to go see Daniel. Uh, no, that was an angel. Now I and so and it says he was of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake, and said unto him that stood before me, O oh, my Adonai, by the visions my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this Lord, this Adonai, talk with my, this my Lord, Adonai? For as for me, straightway there remained no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man. This is, I think, Yahusha. And he strengthened me and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be strong. Yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, let my Adonai speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Then he said, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grisha shall come. But I will show to thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. So we have a prince of Persia and a prince of Grisha. So what am I getting at here? That there are angels that are over territories over all 
the world, all the nations. And so the nations were divided up beforehand because Yahuwah knew which territory would be who and which people would dwell where. And so he set an angel over each one as like a uh, an overseer, if you will, uh, to oversee that territory. So not a huge point of a of the of the lying pen of the scribe, but they certainly changed the scripture, and it's actually confirmed in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Check this out. This is the uh, this is a fantastic website. If you ever want to do deep studies, um, you always want to cross reference the Septuagint, uh, and you always want to cross reference the Dead Sea Scrolls. And here, the Dead Sea Scrolls confirmed. So we'll sc- uh, we'll scroll down to uh, Deuteronomy. Here we go. Uh, remember the days of old. Consider uh, here here here. Verse 8, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the children of men, he set the bounds of the peoples according to the number of the children of, and see how it, it, it marks out Israel, because this is what's normally accepted, but they show you that that's not true. It's actually the children of Elohim, and it actually notes it down here at the bottom for us. It says, this reading matches the LXX, which is the 70, which is the Septuagint. So um, just interesting point to consider. Um, there are some scribal errors, some may be done on uh, accident. May, but I, really feel, I would more likely believe that they were done on purpose uh, for whatever reason. And think about it, you know, the, the Jews in 800, 900 AD, they're like, well, we're the sons of God, right? You know, so uh, we're the sons of Elohim, so... We're, all, we're Israel, so let's just make it a little more clear that he's that he set the whole nations according to us, right? Which is not true. So, <clears throat> uh, but also I, I wanted to just clear that up for you because it actually actually makes Daniel make a little more sense. Like, you know, who like withstood this angel? Like, why? How does that work? Right? Okay, um, verse nine. For Yahweh's portion is his people; Yaakov is the lot of his inheritance. So let's take a look at this, uh, Malachi three sixteen through 18. Then they that feared Yahuwah spoke often one to another, and Yahuwah hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared Yahuwah and that thought upon his name. Again, I think there's something major with calling upon his true name. But really, what does Deuteronomy 6, 5, uh, Deuteronomy 6 say? Uh, that we are to think about his Torah when we wake up, when we sit down, when we lie down, when we walk by the way, when we're sitting in our house, thinking about his name. His name is his, um, it's his character, right? Uh, so I, I believe it's both. I believe it's his name, but more importantly, I believe it's, or maybe equally, I can't, I, I don't have the, the balance, the, the scales to say which is more important. I don't, I don't have the authority to say which is more important. Uh, but I'm saying, uh, truly, we need to think about his name, which is keeping of his ways, his judgments, his statutes, his mercies, his um, his Torah, which is his nature. This is what he says is good. And they shall be mine. The people that think upon his name, they shall be mine, saith Yahweh. Right. So what we're talking about here, for Yahweh's portion is his people. Yaakov is the lot of his inheritance. They shall be mine, saith Yahweh Sebaot, in the day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. How do we serve him? Certainly isn't just sitting down and just calling upon his name and not doing a thing. Certainly it's calling upon his name and doing what he says. It's hearkening to his word and doing his word. Then ye shall return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves Elohim and him that serves him not. 
He found them in a desert place, and in the waste howling wilderness, he led them about. He instructed them. He kept them as the apple of his eye. And, uh, you know, Psalm 91 says the same thing. As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, and takes them and bears them upon her wings. There's uh, quite a bit I want to go over here. There's a lot of references here about this. So um, in the future, I think there's a lot of... um, what happened in the first Exodus is going to happen again when he gathers his people for the second time, but in a probably grander scale, because in the book of Jeremiah says two times, it says they're not going to talk about the old Exodus anymore. They're going to talk about the other one where he gathers his people from the north and the south and the west and the east. Bring my children from afar, my sons and my daughters, right? It says they'll remember this for all forever. This will be the big one. But going back to the first Exodus, as far as being under his wings, that's like a protection. Exodus 19, 4, it says, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Right? And it goes along with the, the passage before, which it's my inheritance, right? He brought him, he brought them unto himself. Revelation 12, 5, and she this is future tense now, and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was cut up on Elohim and to his throne. And I actually meant to do verse 6. There's a speaking about uh, fat thumbs there. And the woman Oh, okay, I know I see what I was doing. Okay, I was prepping for verse uh for verse 14. So, okay, so, and the woman fled into the wilderness, so just like the Exodus, where she had the place prepared of Elohim, I meant to do verses 5 through 6, where she had a place prepared of Elohim that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred three score days. Now listen closely, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. So I don't think, you know, they're literally flying, but this is, you know, the protection under the wings of Elohim. It's just like we saw up here how I bear you on eagle's wings. And we know the Israelites didn't, uh, and maybe Yahuwah might do it in this fashion in the time to come. I, I don't know who might say otherwise, but if we can take the word for what it says, it says that in the first Exodus, he bared them on eagle's wings. And we know that this large eagle didn't come swoop down and, you know, fly them across. But, you know, that was a, uh, a similitude about how an eagle bears his young on their wings, right? Or in their pinions. I, I don't actually don't know. I think an eagle grabs them in their pinions and not puts them on their back. Yeah, so either way, you know what I'm talking about. So and again, to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And uh, every, one of everybody, a lot of people's favorite verse here, Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon Yahuwah shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Now, a couple of awesome references in the book of Enoch. This is chapter uh, 39. And here we go. Verse 4. There I saw another vision, the dwelling places of the holy and the resting places of the righteous. Oops. Here mine eyes saw their dwellings with his righteous angels and their resting places with the holy and they petitioned and interceded and prayed for the children of men, and righteousness flowed before them as water, and mercy like dew upon the earth, and it is amongst them forever and ever. And in that place mine eyes saw the elect one of righteousness and of faith, and I saw his dwelling place under the wings of Yahweh Sevaot, 
and in him and and righteousness shall prevail in his days, and the righteous and elect shall be without number before him forever and ever, and all the righteous and elect before him shall be strong as fiery lights, and their mouth shall be full of blessings, and their lips extol the name of Yahweh Sevaot. Again, there is absolutely something about praising his Kodesh name. Don't get me wrong. I love his name, and I I consistently want to teach his name. There's two parts to that. It's not just confessing his name. Because if you can think about it, if you sit there and confess his Kodesh name and don't do a word he says, what does that mean? What does this mean? That, I believe, is the third commandment, taking his name in vain. And their lips extol the name of Yahweh Sevaot, and righteousness before him shall never fail, and uprightness shall never fail before him. This is Enoch speaking. He says, There I wish to dwell, and my spirit longed. For that dwelling place. And this is Enoch that was shown everything. He's like, I want to be right here. And there and there and there heretofore hath been my portion, right? Pre, you know, he knew ahead of time that Enoch would have a place here. For so it has been established concerning me before Yahweh Sevaot. And in those days I praise and extol the name of Yahweh Sevaot with blessings and praises, because he hath destined me for blessing and glory according to the good pleasure of Yahweh Sevaot. For a long time, my eyes regarded that place. And I blessed him and praised him, saying, Blessed is he, and may he be blessed from the beginning and forevermore. And before him, there is, and before him, there is no ceasing. And before the world was created, what is forever and what will be from generation to generation. Those who sleep not, bless these, they stand before thy glory and blast praising and extolling, saying, Kodesh, Kodesh, Kodesh is Yahweh Sevaot. He filleth the earth with spirits. And there my eyes saw all those who sleep not. And they stand before him and say, Blessed be you, and blessed be the name of Yahuwah forever and ever. And my face was changed, for I could no longer behold. Under his wings. Uh, this is chapter 96. Be hopeful, ye righteous, for suddenly shall the sinners perish before you, and ye shall have lordship over them according to your desires. In the day of the tribulation of the sinners, your children shall mount and rise as eagles. Maybe there will be a flying. Maybe that's part of the glorification of the body, and they're just, just literally flying. And higher than the vultures will be your nest, and ye shall ascend and enter into the crevices of the earth and the clefts of the rock forever and ever as conies before the unrighteous and the sirens shall sigh because of you and weep. This is an amazing chapter, but for time's sake, this we've still got so much to go over. Uh, if you want some encouragement uh, another time, man, check out Enoch 96. It is just one of my favorite chapters. Okay. So I guess maybe we have a little better understanding as uh, as an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them and bears them on her wings I guess maybe they do. Maybe they do bear him on their wings. So Yahweh alone did lead him, and there was no strange El among him. Verse 13, He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increases of the fields, that he might made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Butter of kine, milk of sheep, fat of the lambs, and rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat, and you did drink the pure blood of the grape. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of discussion out there whether uh, we should eat meat, we should not eat meat, whether we should eat dairy, not eat dairy. Um, you know, 
we've talked about this before on this channel. We all have different uh, convictions, um, uh, but certainly to condemn anybody for eating meat, uh, just go read Leviticus chapter 11, right? Which tells us that we plainly can eat meat. Look at all the patriarchs. They ate meat, right? Um, you know, and there's some people that say we, we cannot eat uh, dairy. We shouldn't be eating any of the fruit of the animals. Uh, well, here it is in the Song of Moshe. And and, and, I, and conversely, I'm not, uh, um, you know, uh, condemning anybody that eats meat uh, or that doesn't eat meat or that doesn't eat uh, any animal-based products, someone that is completely vegan. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think he made the herbs, the field, and everything to sustain us. Um, and I think that's just more glory to Elohim. We can have the full palate. We can eat meat, uh, dairy, and the herbs of the field, or we can just eat dairy and the herbs of the field, or we can just eat the herbs of the field. You know, that's the that's the glory of Elohim. He's given us the, the choice of how we want to, to sustain our bodies. But certainly, we can sustain our bodies off the herb of the field. We can sustain our bodies off of uh, dairy. Uh, we can sustain our bodies off of meat. What I'm saying here is we shouldn't condemn anybody for eating meat. We shouldn't condemn anybody for eating dairy. It's pretty clear right here that uh, this is a good thing. Butter is good. Milk is good. Um, so anyways, uh, and there's also people saying that we shouldn't eat wheat. Now I will say there's something to this GMO wheat, uh, Monsanto stuff. Uh, now, now this video is gonna get flagged that, uh, we should be well aware of, and we should be looking for things like organic and, and non-GMO. Uh, but that's a whole nother topic. Uh, all I'm saying is, is let's, let's not point fingers at, uh, what we eat. And you did drink the pure blood of the grape wine. And again, there's some people that say that you can't drink wine. That's just a whole other subject. But that's what I love about Yahusha. He came eating and drinking, right? So praise Yah for the things that he's made for us to enjoy in moderation. And that goes for food. I think we should eat food in moderation. But that's for another time. <clears throat> well, actually, that kind of ties into this next verse, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 15, but Yashron waxed fat and kicked. You are waxing fat. You are grown thick. You are covered with fatness. Then he forsook the Elohai, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his Yeshua, his salvation. And, you know, there's a reason why the elite of this world have a, they have an effort. They've put forth an extreme effort to for people to fatten themselves up because I think there's something associated with becoming large and I'm, I'm not condemning anyone that's large I'm I've struggled with being overweight all my entire life it comes from, I mean I know it's an inherited uh, thing from uh, uh, my family I look at my 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 father's side the the uh, the Israeli side they're all thin uh, but I got my mom's genes and um almost everybody on the, that side of the family is, is large and it's hard. It's, it's a, it's a struggle and I get it. Um, but we, we've got to fight that. I, I don't, I don't think that we're, sh we should be, uh, obese. I think we should work towards that. Uh, I'm not saying that the scriptures don't say the, the scriptures do not say if you're fat and you're not in, it doesn't say that. Uh, and so I'm not trying to be giving any condemnation, but I, I want to give you some encouragement that, uh, this is showing right here that there's a, um, a correlation with becoming large and being overfed and having abundance. Uh, that was even the in the book of Ezekiel, it says that uh, one of the um, 
the sins of Sodom was a fullness of bread. And because of that, uh, it increased their sins. And I think that's why there's this, this huge uh, effort has been made to fatten the populace. Uh, and they've done so even maliciously. Um, they've done things to destroy people's thyroids that make it you know almost impossible to keep their weight down. Uh, they've done things to make additives in food that uh, you know that make you fat inherently. They have different uh, you know waves of doctrine of different diets like you know, like the low fat diets in the 90s, and uh, we substituted fat for more sugars. And you know, I'm just saying that like I'm not here to be your health doctor. I'm just saying. Um, that there is an effort to make you fat, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, in different ways. So just consider that, that this right here is the turning point and everything else, uh, it starts getting really, really bad here. Um, and so again, no condemnation of your size. I'm just saying, let's have some encouragement. I think we should work towards that. We should continue to work towards that and allow Elohim to help us on this walk. Again, uh, I'm no stranger to this. Um, uh, it's something I've been been struggling with my entire life, and I'm really trying to get hold of it in these last days because uh, when he comes, I, I don't want to be, I'm, I'm just my own personal thoughts. It doesn't say, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're large, you're not coming with me, but just my own personal thoughts is when he does come back, I don't want to be, um, extremely overweight. I, I just don't, I really don't. And, um, just, I, again, I treat these like a, like an open Bible study. I wish you get, well, I wish we could do this together so we can have some feedback and talk about it, but I'm not sitting here like on a pulpit and like you, 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 I'm just sitting around like, like a, like a round table discussion. Like, Hey, you know, let's talk about this for a moment. And that's how I like to conduct these Torah portions. So, uh, so anyways, again, commercials, advertisements, um, manipulating food, there's a, there's a concerted effort to, to, to do so. So be weary, um, and be awake. Deuteronomy 32, 16, they provoked him to jealousy with strange Elohim with abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto Shedim devils, not to Elohai, to Elohim whom they knew not to new Elohim that newly came up, which your fathers feared not. Let me just look at a couple of examples here. Uh, Psalm 106, 36 through 40, they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils. These, uh, these, 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 uh, you know, these watchers, when they came down and taught all these things, they're also, where do you think this idea of serving wood and stone and gold and silver came from? Um, you know, for a lot of people, they believe that these were the gods and they instructed them how to serve them. They're like, you know, I want you to sacrifice stuff to this. I want you to sacrifice your son. And, you know, if, I know it's tough, but if you do so, I'm going to bless you abundantly. So they're like, okay, you know, if I sacrifice this son, you know, we're going to have, you know, I'll have so much more bread to feed the family. And, you know, it's just a sacrifice we're going to have to make, right? It's just, you know, craziness. And that's what these devils did. They, they love to lead people astray from Elohim and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons, of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works and went to whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of Yahuwah kindled against his people in so much he abhorred his own inheritance. Ezekiel 24, 1-6, again in the ninth year, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, 
the word of Yahweh came unto me, saying, Son of man, write thee the name of the day, even this same day, the king of Babylon set himself against Jerusalem this same day, and utter a parable unto the rebellious house, and say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, set on a pot, set it on, and also pour water into it, gather the pieces thereof into it, even every good piece. The thigh and the shoulder, fill it with the choice bones, take the choice of the flock, and burn also the bones under it, and make it boil well, and let them see the bones of it therein. Wherefore, thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Woe to the bloody city, to the pot, whose scum is therein, and whose scum is not gone out of it. Bring it out piece by piece, let not, let the, not the lot fall upon it. So, you know, this is part of the reason why Jerusalem was filled with blood. Uh, it was the blood of these sacrifices, of these un, unauthorized sacrifices, these ungodly sacrifices of their children, uh, and, and, and even regular, you know, animal sacrifices. They were sacrificing to other Elohim. Uh, this is a city polluted with blood. This is bad blood. Um, we'll actually keep going. We'll keep going. Okay. Um, of the rock that begat you, you are unmindful and have forgotten El that formed you. And the whole premise about this song was that he basically told them what they were going to do beforehand. He prophesied what they were going to do beforehand because he knew ahead of time what they would do. And sure enough, all this came true. And when Yahweh saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation, children in his whom no belief. And the Septuagint is a little bit different on this one. Let's just take a quick look. And I said, I will turn away my face from them, and I will show what, what shall happen to them in the last days. For it is a perverse generation, sons in whom is no faith. So um, it just talks about the latter days. So it's just a little different. They have moved me to jealousy which with that with that which is no L. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those that are not a people. I'll provoke them to anger with a foolish nation, for a fire is kindled in my anger, and shall burn unto the lowest Sheol, and shall consume the earth with her increase, and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischiefs upon them, and will spend my arrows upon them. They shall be burnt with hunger, and devour with the burning heat, and with bitter destruction. I will also send out the teeth of beasts upon them, with the poison of the serpents of the dust, the sword without, and terror within, and shall destroy both the young man and the virgin. You know, sometimes in the English it actually kind of rhymes, and I'm hoping somebody out there one day can make a good uh, good version um, of this song uh, for our times. But um, in any case, I'm just looking at my notes real quick. Okay. And I said, I would scatter them into the corners. I would make them remembrance of them to cease from among men. And that's certainly what he did. Scattered them all around all abroad. And I again I do believe, you know, that the you know the southern kingdom, Judah, maybe Benjamin, maybe even some Levi, are scattered and uh, are gathered into the land of uh, the political state of Israel. Um I think there's a lot more than just that. But uh surely the ten tribes are scattered everywhere. I think a majority of them 
are in the United States. Uh, I think because I think uh, you know history shows they went north up into Europe, and we know with all the religious persecution of the Catholic Church, um, they sought religious freedom, and I think a lot of them left and came over to America. Um, so I do believe that a majority of um, majority of the United States is um, some of the remnant of the lost ten tribes. Were it not that I fear the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should behave themselves strangely, unless they should say, "Our hand is high," and Yahweh has not done all this. The uh, the Septuagint's a little bit different on this as well, because uh, it says here, you know, were it not that I feared, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if Yahweh fears anything. Were it not for the wrath of the enemy, lest they should live long, lest their enemies should combine against them, lest they should say, "Our own high arm," and not Yahweh has done all these things. You know, and even in the, in the destruction of Jerusalem, um, in the book of Second Baruch, it's it's very clear that the uh, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, they couldn't enter into into Jerusalem until Yahweh had the angels uh, open, break down the walls and open the gates, and then they just came right in and just had their way. Uh, so again, in Baruch, it said, lest the enemy should say, we had defeated the fortifications of Yahuwah. So he, he preserved his, you know, he preserved his way, his glory. Um, what is this? Oh, where that I feared, yeah. Yeah, and this is just weird. You know, why would the, K- the KJV translators make it appear that Yahuwah feared the enemy? And here's the word... Uh, you know, he, here's the word, and you know, it was used 98 times, 58 times sojourn, uh, 12 times dwell. Um, so it, it's ve- in very few times it was used in, in the context of fear. Um, it's just you know, interesting translator choice for the word fear on that one. So, all right, verse 28 for they are a nation void of counsel neither is there any understanding in them and so remember the whole premise of this this uh, this song in this chapter is the falling away from the Torah of Yahweh and Deuteronomy makes it very clear what true wisdom is in the sight of Elohim Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 6, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live, and go in and possess the land which Yahweh Elohim of your fathers giveth you. You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of Yahweh your Elohim which I command you. Your eyes have seen what Yahweh did because of Baal Peor, for all the men that followed Baal Peor, Yahweh thy Elohim hath destroyed them from among you. But ye that did cleave, right? Because, you know, just join yourself unto. Uh, it, the, the same word, cleave, was used uh, when uh, a man would leave his father and mother and would... <laughs> Ice cream truck. But ye that did cleave... So uh, a man leaves his own father and mother and chooses a wife and cleaves unto her, becomes one, right? So ye that were one with uh, unto Yahweh, Elohim are alive, every one of you, this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as Yahweh, my Elohim, commanded me, that ye should do so in the land where ye go to possess it. Now listen, this is where I'm getting at, because they're talking about that this is a nation void of counsel, neither is there any understanding in them. 
Keep, therefore, and do them, the commandments, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. And it's just interesting. Um, this is uh, it's, it's just, this is exactly what it's talking about. This, so the keeping of the commandments, this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people because they are good commandments. They are righteous. You know, it's just unfortunate that most religious leaders today, they go through seminaries and go through man-made teaching, you know, systems. Uh, they're just taught that the, the law is done away with. It's it's antiquated. It's not for us. It's just, it's, um, you know, it's brutal, whatever they may say it is. Uh, but actually, at the core of it, it's actually all good. If you take time to study, it's all good. It's all righteous. It's all black and white. There's no uh, if ands, or buts. There's no gray area. It's all good, and it is the wisdom in the sight of Elohim. And truly, the other nations, when they hear, when they heard this law, they 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 loved it. And you know that's why during the time of uh, of David uh, and Solomon, before he you know before he fell, um, before he went backwards, you know all nations did serve and, and loved, and, and most of them willingly so. Uh, the Queen of Sheba came to hear the the righteousness of these statutes because we read about it in, uh, there's not a whole lot uh, included in the canon, but if you read like in the book of Jasher, uh, it talks about uh, um, uh, it talks about the incident with Tamar uh, where she sat in the gate and remember Judah was kind of drunk and he saw her and he thought she was a, um, um, a harlot and he's like, come on. And uh, the reason being is because uh, what nation was it? The Sidonians? No, I can't remember what nation it was. But that nation's custom, like it was a law that before a woman got married, she had to sit in the gate for a whole week and play the whore. And only after that week could she be joined under her husband. Now take that versus uh, that's not coming adultery, you know, or, or no fornication or, you know, those kind of things. Now, you know, compare that. Now, even if you grew up in that country and you were getting ready to marry your wife and you knew that your wife had to go through all that, even if you grew up with it and you know, all that, there's something instinctively in you. That's like, man, she's, she's going to be ravished by all these different men before I marry her. I mean, even to this day, there's, there's, um, there's laws and statutes for men to marry their own their own daughters and all this kind of stuff. It's just like it's unbelievable. So when you look at contrasty with what the other other nations uh, have laws regarding, Yahweh's statutes are righteous. Now, regardless of who the founding fathers were of this country, the basic premises, you know, I, again, I think there was a lot of guile uh, with the forming of this country. I, I think there, you know, um, you know, people that met in secret uh, were, you know, some of these leaders, but the, the very people that built this country, uh, I think did have the foundations uh, of the, the, um, the teachings of the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, within them and the basic uh, moral, compass that he has given us so anyways so this is and this is true so when the nations see that these these commandments and judgments walked out properly they'll say like wow look at this nation and that's why when they went astray from his commandments the other nations would look and be like yeah i don't want anything to do with that so that's how they polluted his name they polluted his name by going astray from his name which is the keeping of his ways all right 
verse 29, oh, that they were wise, right? So this, so these are foolish people. There's no wisdom. We just read that it is your wisdom and your understanding to keep all the commandments. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How should one chase a thousand and put and two put 10,000 to flight, except their rock had sold them, and Yahuwah had shut them up. For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. For their vine is the vine of Sodom, and the fields of Amora. Their grapes are grapes of gall, their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons, and the cruel venom of asps. Is not this laid up in store with me, and sealed up among my treasures? To me belongs vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. And what did what Messiah Yahushua say in the, the, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, right? He said, don't repay evil for evil. You know, someone smacks you on the, the cheek, give him the other, right? Yahweh sees everything he will repay. For verse 36, for Yahweh shall judge his people and sigh for his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is none shut up nor left. And he shall say, where are their Elohim? Right? Where, where's their idols? Where are their gods? Their rock in whom they trusted, which should eat the fat of their sacrifices and drink the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. See now that I, even I am he and there is no Elohim with me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand, right? We even saw with the, uh, you know, with the tempting of Job, uh, Satan had to get permission, straight up. Straight up, I haven't used the word straight up in a while, have I? Pretty, I mean, just plainly, um, Satan had to get, he had to get permission, right? So he wounds and he heals, Hosea 6, 1 through, 1 through 2, Come, let us return unto Yahuwah, for he hath torn, like he, he wounded us, right? And he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive revive us, and the third day he will rise us up, and we shall live in his sight. There's a lot of prophetic stuff there, but um, yeah, uh, we got to keep going. Jeremiah 30, 11 through 15, and for this, uh, we read this earlier in the, um, the other uh, live stream, but very important. For I am with you, says Yahuwah, to save you, right? So this is all about saving us. This whole thing we're about to read is how he saves us, which we know right now in our days, it's it's Messiah Husha is the beginning of our salvation, but this is also our walk to to teach us lessons, to to um, the job of the Ruach HaKadosh, to convict us of sin and to correct our path so that we don't get off the path, that we stay on it. To save you, though I make a full end of the nations where I have scattered you, yet will I not make a full end of you. But I will correct you in measure, and I will not leave you altogether unpunished. And that's just, this is the core of what we're doing right now, is that I wound and heal, right? I kill and make alive. I wound and heal. This is how he does it. For thus says Yahuwah, thy bruise is incurable, thy wound is grievous. There is none to plead thy cause, that thou mayest be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. All thy lovers have forgotten you. They seek you not for I, this is Yahweh speaking. He says, I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of a cruel one. For the Why? For the multitude of your iniquity, your sins, because your sins were increased. He's like, why, why are you going to cry for your affliction? Thy sorrow is incurable for the multitude of your iniquity, because thy sins were increased. I have done this unto thee. And actually, we need to keep reading. We need to go to 17. 
don't know why I've stopped there. Therefore, all they that devour you shall be devoured, and all thine adversaries, every one of them, shall go into captivity. And they that spoil you shall be for a spoil, and all that prey upon you will I give for a prey. For I will restore health unto you, and I will heal you of your wounds, saith Yahuwah, because they called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion, who no man seeketh after. Now, there's a lot of wisdom in this for you parents, right? Just letting your child do whatever they want and you know, letting them backtalk you and, and badmouth you and not listen to what you say. Boy, is that an evil seed starting up in them that's going to grow into a plant of, of pure bitterness for your life and for theirs. A good father wounds and heals. And I'm, talk, I'm not talking about like, like literally wounding your child. I'm talking about uh, correction and then embracing Correction without embracing is, is going to be really, really rough on your child. And some of you that grew up in that kind of atmosphere, you know. Some of us grew, grew up in an atmosphere of just patting you on the butt and just, oh, you know, this is loving you. Just just caressing and hugging and kissing and, ah, you're bad. It's okay. You'll, you'll grow out of it one day. No. Listen. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And he hath forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. This is from Proverbs, quoting Proverbs. My son, despise not the chastening of Yahuwah. Right? Don't hate it. Nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom Yahuwah loveth, he chasteneth. Right? Did you hear that? Who he loves, he cracks the whip. And scourgeth every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, because some people and some people see the chastening and they skedaddle, uh, and that's part of the parables of Yahusha with the, the seed, right? Some are offended and out, they're out. If you endure chastening, Elohim deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom his father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Who wants to be a bastard? Who wants to be a son? Endure the chastening. Who wants to be a good father to their children and a good mother to their children? Well, I'm not a mother. Who wants to be a good mother to their children? Correct them. Firmly, and then embrace them. Correction, bring them in, embrace them, and explain what's going on. Because if you don't explain, and if you don't embrace afterwards, it's going to be really rough on them. Firmness and compassion. It's exactly how Yahweh operates, does he not? He expects what he expects, and when he doesn't get it, he corrects. The child repents, we repent, he heals. But if you be without oh, okay. Furthermore, we had we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they, so our our physical fathers, for they verily of a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Learn from your lesson. Learn from your mistakes. Let him chastise you. Learn your lesson. Repent. Be forgiven. He'll embrace you, continue on your walk. This doesn't mean like, oh, just rinse and repeat, right? Like, oh, I'll just keep falling. I'll just keep, uh, I know he's going to take me back in, so I'll just keep doing it. And I'll take a little bit of lashing. No, no, no that's, that's not how it works. He, he'll see right through your heart. And he'll, and he'll, he'll know you're not sincere. 
he won't work. He, he won't. I can't speak for him, but I don't think he'll work with that heart. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If I wet my glittering sword and take my hand, take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and reward them that hate me. Now this is quote. This is where Revelation and Daniel derive from. So let's uh, let's get into it a little bit. Um, this lifting up the hands to heaven and saying, I live forever. Revelation 10, 1 through 6, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. You know who that is. And his face was at where, as it were the sun. You know who that is. And his feet as pillars of fire. You know who this is. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write and heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. So this is what we're talking about here, right? I lift up my hand to heaven. Lifted up his hand to heaven. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that are that are in, and the sea and the things which are therein, that should, there should be time no longer. And you'll see that this essentially is the this announces this right here. Lift up my hand to heaven. The rest of this is the announcement of the destruction. This is the judgment. And if you were with us earlier for the Yom Kippurim for the Day of Atonement, I do believe the Day of Atonement has a lot to play uh, with that for um, end time stuff. Actually, I'm going to read the Daniel version of Daniel 12. So what is it? Uh, it's 5 through 7. Okay. Daniel 12, 5 through 7. And I, Daniel, saw and behold, two others stood, one on the side of the bank of the river and the other on the other side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was over the water of the river, when will be the end of the wonders which thou hast mentioned? And which is basically the question was answered in Revelation, which we just heard, which was there will be time no longer. And I heard the man clothed in linen who was over the waters of the river, and he lifted up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swear by him that lives forever, that it should be for a time of times and half a time, a moed of moeds and a moed, and, and, yeah, moedim and a moed. When the dispersion is ended which I think we're close to, they shall know all these things. And I do praise Yah that I believe he is revealing wisdom in these last days. So this is like essentially the announcement of that there's no more time. Like time is done for repentance. Time is done. What's done is done. Who's, you know, who's chosen, who's chosen. Um, all right. Okay. So uh, let's talk about this wet, wetting his glittering sword. What is a glittering sword? Um, if we look at the... Um, um, if you look at the um, Hebrew here, it's like a lightning. It's like a, a sword of lightning, if you will. So, um, and actually, yeah, so the Septuagint, I think it actually says that. Yeah, for I lift up my hand to heaven and say, and swear by, swear by my right hand, right? And who's his right hand is Yahushua and say, I live forever for I will sharpen my sword like lightning, and my hand shall take hold of judgment and will render judgment to my enemies and will recompense them that hate me. This is the year of 
vengeance and recompenses, which is the finishing of uh, the, um, the, the claim that Yahusha made in uh, Luke chapter 4 when he read from the scroll of Isaiah, when he said he fulfilled those very words from their eyes, but he has stopped mid-sentence, and this is the finishing of the sentence. And it says, and the, or he stopped when it said, uh, the acceptable year of Elohim, and he stopped, and then it finishes with, and the day of vengeance of our, the day of vengeance of our Elohim. I will make my weapons drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh. It shall glut itself with the blood of the wounded, and from the captivity of the heads of their enemies that rule over them. So let's take a look at what's actually going on here. And um, Zechariah 9, 13-15, When I have bent Judah for me, and filled the bow with Ephraim, and raised up thy sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as the sword of a mighty man, Right, so let's remember the sword here. And Yahweh shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning. And Yahweh shall Yahweh Elohinu shall blow the sh- the trumpet, the shofar, and shall go with the whirlwinds of the south. Psalm forty eight, uh, um, sounding the, going with the the shout, the, the shofar, and the shout of Elohim. Yahweh Sevaot shall defend them, and they shall devour and subdue with sling stones. They shall drink and make a noise as through wine, and they shall be filled like bo- bowls. And the as and as the corners of the altar. So this is the the beginning of the day of judgment, and uh, he's using his set apart people. I believe it's his hundred forty four thousand as his uh, as his army. And uh, here's another example of him using his people as his army. So this is the this is the vision of weeks from Enoch. And he's talking about all the weeks uh, of wickedness. And the last week was uh, the week of apostasy, which I believe is the the time of the Roman Catholic Church. And it was prophesied in multiple places that that uh, that entity, the beast, would, that the truth that the the truth of the Torah would be hidden by that entity. And it certainly that's what happened uh, right after the earlier apostles died off. Uh, Ro- uh, the the Romans took over essentially the religion, mixed it with paganism, and uh, the truth was hidden. There's always been a small remnant, I believe, since, but um, took over the populace, and the truth was was hidden from among men by the entity. So, and then so it's now saying, and after that, so after that week of apostasy, there shall be another, the eighth week, that of righteousness, and a sword shall be given to it, that a righteous judgment may be executed on the oppressors, and sinners shall be delivered into the hands of the righteous, and at its close they shall acquire houses through their righteousness. So within the walls of New Jerusalem. So very interesting stuff. Um Verse 43, Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. And I've got a note here to look at the Dead Sea Scrolls for verse 43. I can't remember why. Um, Oh, it just says, instead of rejoice, you nations, it says rejoice, you heavens. So I don't Yeah. So rejoice, O ye heavens, with his people. I guess yeah. I guess that makes it a little makes it a little clearer of what's actually going on here. So the nations aren't rejoicing because the nations are being destroyed. It's actually rejoice, O ye heavens, uh, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and unto his people. And this is the end of the song of Moshe. But we're going to finish. We got a couple more verses. Verse 44, And Moshe came and spake, spoke all the words of the song in the ears of the people, and Husha, or Hushea, um, 
uh, yeah, Husha, the son of Nun. And this is a, a good reason why, uh, you know, I know some of us say Yeshua, uh, some of us say Yahusha, and uh, certainly Joshua. This is a rendering of his name, Husha. Uh, so Yahusha, the son of Nun. And Moshe made an end of speaking all the words of, to all Yashrael. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to guard to do all the words of this Torah. For it is not a vain thing for you. Remember the opposite of that without Torah. I believe we're taking his name in vain. For, so for this Torah is not a vain thing for you. Why? Because it is your life. Now, a lot, some of you, some, if some of you are new, you might be saying, well, Yahushua said he is the, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, no man come to the, cometh to the Father but by me. But truly, the scriptures are clear that Yahushua is the Word, and the Word was made flesh. And we know the Word is the, everything, everything that proceedeth out of the mouth of Elohim, certainly his Torah. And so the Torah is the way, according to Psalm 119, blessed is he that walks in the way in the Torah of Elohim. Um, uh, the Torah is the truth. Psalm, Psalm 119, 142, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your Torah is the truth. And we're reading right here um, that uh, for the Torah, it is not a vain thing for you because it is your life. Also, Proverbs 13, 14 says the Torah is a fountain of life it was, uh, for, for the wise. Or I'm loosely quoting it, but uh, it just says the Torah is a fountain of life. And through this thing ye shall prolong your days in the land, whether ye go over the Yardan to possess it. So, oh, uh, actually, I had it up here. Okay, so I don't mess it up. Okay, yeah, so we just saw that here. Blessed are the undefiled. I missed the word undefiled. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the Torah of Yahuwah. So we can equate the, the way in walking in Torah. Um, his Torah is the truth. And uh, the Torah of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. So, brothers and sisters, uh, that is your Torah portion for today. And again, coming during the day of uh, Yom Kippurim, also known, better probably better known today as the Day of Atonement. And um, for those of you that are watching live, uh, after this, there's still plenty of hours in the day for at least most of your time zones out there. Uh, again, I think a good day to continue in um, in affliction, in mourning, weeping for your old ways, maybe even for some of the things that you did this year, maybe even for some of the wrong you did to some of your brethren. And uh, what a day to reconcile! What is what a what a day to maybe send a quick uh, quick message of asking forgiveness, or uh, you know maybe after uh, after the day is done at sunset, maybe uh, giving a quick call and apologizing. Um, it might be a good timing for that. Um, maybe there's something that a major sin that you did this year. Maybe there's a couple little little sins that you did this year. Uh, certainly, you can loathe yourself for these things and uh, hope in the mercies uh, and praise of Elohim. And surely, we do know that Yahusha had made his sacrifice once and for all for us. But certainly, we're also commanded to uh, honor these feast days for perpetual generations. So. Uh, let us continue this and, and walk in what the Torah has prescribed for us because we know there is no guile in the Torah and we know the Torah is uh, Elohim's very own nature. So let us walk in his nature and what he has prescribed for us to be good uh, for we have certainly established that uh, affliction is good because from affliction comes healing 
And with this healing comes understanding, or actually, actually, excuse me, back up. Through this affliction, uh, we gain understanding. Uh, and that is those that repent, those that truly repent, those that don't repent, get affliction and get get no uh, no understanding. So for, I know for a lot of us, during the times of affliction is where we've learned the most. And praise be to Elohim for being merciful unto us uh, who, who have been utterly sinners and have forgive, been forgiven through the blood, the atoning blood of Messiah Yahusha, um, our King of Kings, our, uh, our Adonai of Adonim. So, blessed be him. So let's finish this with, uh, let's finish this with the um, um, the priestly blessing and um, little prayer, and we'll conclude this Torah portion, and we'll continue about our day uh, of this most set apart day. And again, for those of you watching as a recording, um, enjoy the rest of your day. <clears throat> Vishmerecha Ya er Yahua Panavelecha Vichuneka Yisa Yahua Panavelecha Vyashem Lecha Shalom Yahuwah bless you and keep you. Yahuwah make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Yahuwah lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Heavenly Father, Yahuwah Most High, the Elohim of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, we just come before you, your people that love you, that want to walk in your way that you prescribe for us, that you've told us that is good and righteous and that it is our life, and it is your truth, and it is the way, and we want to follow it as your Messiah, your Son that you sent for us, our atonement. We want to walk as the Scriptures say, to walk as He walked. We ask that you you guard us and you guide us and that you help us along this journey. Because for many, this transition to coming into your commandments is new and it's different. And we ask that you make a way for all those that have these jobs that cannot give them a, a way to have these days off. We ask that you make a way for each and every one of them. And I pray that they seek you personally on this matter, Abba. Uh, if it be in their heart, of course, that is. Nevertheless, we just praise you, Abba, for waking us up in these last days and truly gathering your remnant. We we thank you for giving us this platform to allow us to study your most set-apart word. And we thank you for opening our eyes that we may behold the wondrous matters of your Torah. And uh, we, as we pray, Abba, just please put your Torah in our inward parts that we may walk it out and do them. We love you, we bless you, and we're... We are eagerly waiting Yahusha's return because your people are dwelling in the midst of a very wicked, wicked people. Hallelujah. And may your name, Yahweh Sevaot, be praised forever and ever unto all eternity. Amen and Amen. Brothers and sisters, Shabbat Shalom. Um, a very important Shabbat. And um, may Yahweh be with you and continue to guide you on this journey. Shalom.